Hello and welcome to another awesome edition of the Nerd Related Fantasy Football Show. I am Matt Farley and as always I am joined by South Milwaukee's finest. He is a G in the streets but a freak on them cheat sheets. Andy, <laughs> how you doing my man? Doing fantastic. That was a hell of an introduction. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I uh, I thought of that today uh, while I was supposed to be working. Uh, shouts to my boss. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> welcome back. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning back into another uh, another episode of our uh, humble and um, ever growing fantasy uh, football podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking through some of the big questions that pertaining to uh, your upcoming draft, how we're feeling about certain things. Those will be the big fudge breaks big questions um we'll talk about a few more breakout receivers that maybe we didn't get to on our show on tuesday and cover a few of the rookie wide receivers that we think can pop off and uh really exceed your expectations but first uh you gotta follow us on twitter right andy you do it's quite a quite a great twitter feed that we got going on and i i think we're a quality follow wouldn't you agree andy I would say so. You got you and me providing content. What else could you want? Exactly. Exactly. It's like it's like having Guy Fieri and Anthony Bourdain in your kitchen, but instead of your kitchen, we're just on your Twitter feed. You know, I, I think we do a pretty good job with our follows, just commenting on things. I love posting GIF responses to just about anything. And uh Andy always dropping that uh that sweet knowledge. Hey, my dog just came in. How you doing, dog? Um, but you should follow us on Twitter. We are at NR Sports Edition. And uh, one of the things that Andy and I like to do is throw up polls uh, just on trying to get a feel for what players are, are thinking, who they like, uh, who they prefer in certain situations. And we put up a, a poll after our show on Tuesday pertaining to the two players that we talked about as breakout candidates uh, DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson Ooh, and uh, Andy, I, you probably saw who won, right? Uh, I didn't want you to tell the folks who won, you know, Andy, I, I don't have to, but it's okay. Uh, DJ Moore won by a slim margin fit, got 53% of the vote. Uh, Andy, how do you feel after your, uh, after my, your com- my compelling arguments, my compelling argument, I think what's to go over the top, you know, I just went over the fans. What can I say? I appreciate y'all. It's your personality, man. It I'm is. Not, I'm not we as had, likable as you. We had certain people I know trying to rig the polls. I, I seen, but I still came out on top. I mean, okay, I voted on my own Twitter, um, for my own Twitter profile. But you know, again, I I don't think that's a surprise. I don't think that's <laughs> no. unethical. I don't know. Oh, no, not at all. I just know a lot of people had some other Twitter feeds that they went on like six different profiles and voted. <laughs> really. Ah, we should talk about that offline. <laughs> I bet it may have been you. But anyways, uh, DJ Moore wins that uh, that Twitter poll. So congratulations, DJ Moore. You can retire today, and uh, you've got the greatest accomplishment of all time. <laughs> but we got a lot of questions and some burning questions as we're entering. I, is this the prime weekend for drafts, Andy? I would say so. Yeah, most of my regular drafts are starting this week and then going into the Labor Day weekend. Um, so yeah, great time for drafts. Okay. Well, either way, I think these are questions that we've come up with that you're going to ask yourself this weekend, next weekend, and up into uh, 
basically September 8th, the last opportunity that you'll have to draft. So uh, we're going to get through as many of these as we possibly can. Uh, Andy, my first question for you, which wide receiver that is currently projected to be a wide receiver one, according to ADP, so wide receiver one through 12, is most likely, in your opinion, to finish outside of wide receiver one territory? So when I looked at this question originally, I looked at the bottom and I saw C.D. Lamb and Terry McLaurin, which, I mean, I would argue are pretty safe bets not to make it um, if you were to you know answer this question. But I wanted to be a little more spicier on this Thursday night. Ooh, and I, ooh. I went with uh, D.K. Metcalf. I know it's ooh. probably a shocker to a lot of individuals, uh, but as I'm sure if you listen to this podcast a few times, I'm big into numbers and looking what they did historically uh, and pertaining that to what could happen this year. Uh, so looking at DK last year, he had a phenomenal season. I believe he finished number five or six on the season uh, with quite a bit of points. But if you really look at what he did last year, he had one 40 point game, which is, you know, historic in his own right. Uh, without that game, he had 231 total points. If you divide that by just the 15 games that he played, not counting that 40-point game, he averaged just 15.41 points a game, which, I mean, is a phenomenal number. But if you were to take that then over 16 games, it puts him at 246 points, which puts him at wide receiver 13 last year. So I wanted to be a little spicier, you know, not take the, the easy road out. But my pick is DK Metcalf. Well, Andy, I thought we were going to have just a nice, chill Thursday evening uh, just some friendly discussion. And here you are pulling out all these, all these statistics. I just figured you were going to go on feeling, but holy man. Okay. Well now I'm, now I'm definitely avoiding DK Metcalf uh, in all my drafts, but no, I mean, that, I think that's a, that's a good point. And there are, you know, one thing about, I think Seattle is it's a different offense this year. I think they're going to run more plays. I don't think they're going to be as run heavy as they've been, but certainly Certainly, I guess that uncertainty is something that could definitely take away or make you wonder if DK Metcalf is uh, is going to be as effective as he as he was or or has been in the past. Uh, this is a tough question because I I see a lot of guys near the bottom of this list, like CD Lamb, who you mentioned, that I, I think have are are going to have great years. I think CD Lamb is is going to exceed. Uh, where his ADP is, even though it's already pretty high. I'm just going to go on pure age and say Keenan Allen is, it, you know, I, I know people love Justin Herbert and I love Justin Herbert, but at some point Keenan Allen, I, I think is going to hit that wall where that age is going to catch up with him. You know, he played 14 games last year, which is pretty good, but certainly not as many as others. I don't know. I, I just get this sense that maybe, maybe his age will start to show. I know that's not as technical as, your analysis, Andy, but, you know, if you look at his finishes, uh, 2018 in uh, standard, he finished 14th, 2019th, 11th, and in 2020, 18th. Uh, so he's pretty, you know, pretty close to that mark. Uh, PPR, he's done a little bit better, but still, I just feel like maybe Keenan Allen might, uh, might finally hit that wall. All right. I mean, that's not a bad choice at all. You have Austin Eckler coming back as well, who's going to de demand targets. Josh Palmer is a promising rookie. And hopefully Mike Williams does his thing this year too. Um, so very, I like that pick as well. Yeah. And I mean, they got some vacated targets from Hunter Henry, but let's face it, Hunter Henry, when's the last time Hunter Henry actually played the entire season? I can't remember if he did last year or not, but. Might've been last year, but uh, I think that's pushing it. Yeah. All right. Question number two. Uh, what's your third round strategy this year, Andy? Cause it feels like 
there's there. I don't want to say there's a drop off, but I keep mocking and I had a draft this past week and the third round can get a little bit hairy because a lot of those prime tier two receivers are gone. You've probably cycled out of the top 14 running backs. So the running backs and receivers start to get a little hairy. I like to go tight end in the second round, uh, especially this year. What's, what are your thoughts on third round strategy? So I think the third round is really going to vary on who you're drafting with. Uh, if the second round turns into a heavy wide receiver round, I love getting DeAndre Swift in that round. Um, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year if he can stay healthy with just the sheer volume he's going to get. If you can't get DeAndre Swift, it starts to get questionable for me if I'm going to take somebody else. I would highly consider taking a, a running quarterback, as we call it, a Konami code, you know, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, uh, uh, maybe, maybe Josh Allen. I'm not sure. But I, I tend to lean with, you know, the DeAndre Swifts of the world or potentially a, a top-tier wide receiver. It's still hard for me to accept taking a quarterback that early. Um, you do have players like Jalen Hurts that can potentially fall later. Yeah, and and Andy and I kind of had you, – you and I had this conversation a little bit offline already about, you know, have we seen the – I don't want to say the end of the late-round quarterback trend, or are, are we starting to see the needle move back into being more, more balanced or – I guess being okay, reaching up a little bit further than what I think a lot of experienced players do that point differential between the high end of QB one and the, and like the lower end of, of QB one. So like that nine, 10 range is marginally high. And if you look at some of the running back running backs at their ADP, if you were to reflect them at their finishes or at that same finish, the point differential by 20 spots is not as big as you might assume. So I could see a lot of situations where that would make sense. Real quick, I'll give you an, an example of, of what I'm referring to here. Again, I had a draft this past weekend. And mind you, this is a keeper league, but there weren't a lot of high, high-end keepers this year just because we cycle through and uh, don't let people keep players over two years. But I was the sixth pick, and I got to the third round. And right before my selection here, I'm just opening up my, uh, my draft board. Right before my selection, uh, Josh Jacobs went, Adam Thielen went, and then Miles Sanders went. So I, was, I, I had a choice of something like Chris Carson, Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans. I went Chris Carson there because I think some of the receivers that I mentioned there Maybe Allen Robinson is the exception, but a lot of the receivers in that sort of grouping, I, I don't see a lot of differential between them and the guys that are, are after them, like Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup, uh, Tyler Lockett. I know people are a little skeptical of Tyler Lockett's consistency this year, Chris Godwin. So I think that's something to think about and uh, definitely something to consider. So awesome. Awesome. I like that. And just taking into consideration too, you have James Robinson, who's probably going to shoot up to, you know, 10th or 11th yeah. now of dropping Clyde Edwards Hilaire, probably who I would hope to get in the third round. Also, it'd be a hell of a steal. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he went, he went early third in, in this, this uh, particular draft that I was mentioning before. Next question. Uh, who finishes as the tight end for this year? And that's assuming that, you know, you're not deviating from the Kelsey Kittle Waller uh, stack. Yeah, so I wanted to be spicy again with this. I don't want to go chalk and, you know, say some of the players I know everybody hears about with TJ Hawkinson, Noah Font, um, 
Kyle Pitts, I'm sure, is being said. Uh, but he's been mentioned on the show today, actually. I was pretty shocked. But a Donald Parham, I'm going to take a, <laughs> a, a giant, you know, stretch on this guy. But uh, looking at last year, there was 137 tight end targets uh, across the team. He lost Hunter Henry, who had, I believe, it was 97 of those targets. Granted, they brought in Jared Cook, um, who's, I mean, a great court, a tight end. He saved us with that miraculous catch in. Oh, yes. Was that 2018, Farley, or 2017? Yeah. I think it was 20, 2017. That was 2017. Yeah. When Aaron went to Jared. Um, but, he, they, I mean, Jared Cook is there. But one thing that I do pay attention in this time is what's being said in the um, offseason training camps. And they're raving of how the connection between Herbert and Parham is and how he's catching everything. And he's just an athlete. I mean, he was the 99th percentile college dominator. I'm sorry, finishing at 48.9%, meaning that he dominated almost 50% of his targets for his football team um, in his highest year. And he was a breakout age of 19.91, meaning that he was dominant against collegiate athletes at a younger age. And he's just a freak of nature with his uh, profile. Um, So I'm going to live with him and, and see what happens. Oh, man. So, okay. That that's interesting because this is something you and I haven't talked about. So I'm going to try to find Donald Parman on gosh. Yeah. He's probably last. It's probably not being drafted in all honesty. 46. I mean, he might jump up, especially in some of these expert leagues when they hit. Okay. So let me ask you this. I'm looking at ADP here. Let's say you and I are in a draft. You're a couple Tito's and waters down. Okay. You, you, you got some wings in your stomach, but you're starting to feel it. And you've been waiting on tight end. And you, on the board, you've got an option, or you've got the options of Robert Tunyon, Irv Smith, Mike Gesicki, and Janu Smith. Are you taking Parman over those guys? I Probably not right away, because I know Parman would probably go in the free agent pool. And I most likely wouldn't be looking at drafting a tight end with those players available, um, just my preference. But if you look at like Robert Tunyon, a great example, I believe he was in the 40s last year and finished tight end, was it eight last year? That's a really uh, good point. So yeah. we've seen the jump out. I mean, he's a young guy. He played well, and they showed confidence by throwing the ball in the playoffs. And I think it was the playoffs for week 16 with a critical touchdown catch that he almost had. Um, it was a very tough play by him. He, he made a hell of an effort and nearly pulled it down and it showed insane athleticism on that play. Um, so, I mean, again, it's a huge stretch, but at the tight end position, why waste a seventh round pick on Mike Isaki? You have no idea what he's going to bring to the table when you mm-hmm. can wait till a free agent and get Donald Parham. And it's probably, you know, similar results maybe, yeah. um, but you get a valuable piece in that seventh round compared to a, a questionable tight end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if it's going to be a crapshoot, why not take take your shot in, in the later rounds? Or Obviously, yeah, those those mid-rounds, don't, don't go after tight end. If you miss the top three, just wait. You know, why not wait a little bit further and just get somebody that you think either has an easy schedule early on or somebody that, you know, maybe has fallen really far down? You know, like, like if Janu Smith is there with your last pick, like just – Go grab Jonu Smith. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen this year because he's he's a no he's he's a recognizable name to the casual fan. I would say maybe I'm wrong, um, but you know why not do that or just go find the guy with the easiest tight end schedule to start the year and uh, just roll the dice, see what happens at this point. You know, like when I look at ADP, I I haven't heard a damn thing about Irv Smith, but Irv Smith I think had a pretty good end to the season last year. And now doesn't have Kyle Rudolph. 
Um, you know, Janu Smith, again, I, I'll, I'll mention him and I got good feels about Janu Smith. Uh, you know, the variation in these, in these, this ADP mark is so just close, but it's so mysterious. Uh, I, I would say this, if you're going to wait on tight end, look for these two things. Okay. And, and it's hard to think of players that fit this mold, but if you're sitting in a draft and you haven't taken a tight end, Look for a guy who's going into his third year, because that is generally according to a lot of studies. And if you want, hit us up on Twitter at NR Sports Edition, and I will post some that say third year tight ends are generally the ones who break out versus their peers in year two, year three. Rookie tight ends generally don't. Sorry, Kyle Pitts fanatics. And then look for targets. So maybe there's a tight end in this pool that got a share of targets last year, but just really didn't do too much. That's what you want to go after. And that's why I feel Jonu Smith could, could be a viable pick. Um, didn't get a ton of targets last year, but I think we'll definitely get more in a Patriots offense that could have a rookie quarterback as well as no dominant receiving options other than maybe Jacoby Myers. And if I could All just right. throw one other thing in on the tight yeah. ends, um, Noah Font, I, I truly feel won't be playing week one. So you play daily fantasy. I would highly look at Albert. I can't pronounce his last name, Albert O, <laughs> Albert o. on Denver. Yeah, Albert O on Denver as a, a deep sleeper for even just if you play in a tight end heavy lead as if you're going to play the free agent pool on tight ends, get in for week one. Um, he had a great year last year when he did get a chance to play. It could be very sneaky picking him as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. I like that. I think it's uh, – he's somebody that got hyped up a lot last year, but, you know, much – much like many of the Denver Broncos last yeah. year didn't, uh, didn't come through. All right, let's move on. Um, this week, we had a number of uh, transactions, movements, announcements. Uh, one in particular was the Sony Michelle trade to uh, your Los Angeles Rams. Andy, does this impact much at all for you? I feel like obviously this is getting a ton of attention because it's the preseason, but does this change the way you feel about Daryl Henderson uh, Damian Harris. How do you feel, man? Uh, honestly, for me, it's a, a situation I'm avoiding at all causes and redrafts. I'm not drafting Daryl Henderson. I, there's a lot of questionable things said by McVeigh um, during the whole offseason. First stating that, you know, Xavier Jones was uh, playing with having this great offseason, talking about Deshaun Jackson, this great offseason, Stafford being the best quarterback he's ever seen. When it comes to Daryl Henderson, he said he, he's doing well, but he has some things to improve on. I mean, if you're saying those things about every other player and you get to that guy, uh, it doesn't sound great. There's rumors that I mean, they didn't want him drafted uh, when that when they did draft him in the third round. Now you go trade for Sony Michelle after you have an injury. It shows me you don't have confidence in Daryl Henderson. And I mean, it also shows that Patriots didn't believe in Sony Michelle. Um, so staying away from that backfield, backfield completely. As for the Patriots, I, I kind of have a, a saying, you know, always get the cheapest running back on the Patriots because you never know what's going to happen. Uh, in redrafts, I'm probably not drafting anybody. I might take a dart throw on Ramad Stevenson if he's there in like the 12th, 13th round, which I, I highly doubt. Um, but I'm not drafting anybody from there. I'm keeping an eye out for James White and J.J. Taylor to see yeah. what they're doing as potential free agent pickups, um, but most likely not spending any draft picks on any running back on New England or um, the Rams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got the Patriots who <laughs> when's the last time they had like a like a viable fantasy running back on a consistent basis? I know they've had uh, you know, just you know, little little sparks here and there. It's like been a Corey long Dillon. time. Yeah. Like Corey, yeah, Corey Dillon. <laughs> yeah, my God. 
Um, holy man, that was what got 2004. Maybe Legarrette Blunt, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's hard to name one. Yeah, and the same hold true. The same holds true for I think a lot of Shanahan based offenses. Now Todd Gurley, yes, Todd Gurley was was amazing, but. Other than that, you know, you've seen McVeigh and the Rams go to more of this committee system. I know Cam Akers got a lot of hype coming into the season this year, and for good reason. But you know there was going to be somewhat of a split happening there. It was just a matter of how big that split was going to be. You know, the same, the same thing scares me about, like, San Francisco and uh, their running backs. You know, a couple of years ago, I drafted Tevin Coleman to be a, a flex play for, for me, and <laughs> that didn't work out. Uh, but you look at like Raheem Mostert this year, you can get him real late in drafts. I think they've baked that in. I'm just curious, you know, even with Daryl Henderson, why is he being taken in like the fifth round? And why did his ADP sit there? But, you know, Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon are two to three rounds behind him. It just didn't make sense to me. But anyways, enough about enough about irrelevant backfields. Um, okay, a couple more for you, Andy. So every year it feels like, well, every year in the last like five, it feels like there's been sort of this pass catching running back or PPR stud running back handcuff or third down specialist that seems to break into like the top 20. So I'm talking about Duke Johnson in 2017 ends up finishing 11th in PPR James white (laughs) countless times, but specifically like 2018, he finished seventh in PPR Austin Eckler in 2019, you know, a little bit more of a primary back that year, but finished fourth, got a lot of, a lot of pass catching work. Naeem Hines last year, finished 15th. JD McKissick last year, finished 17th. Is there a guy this year that maybe we're not talking about as a, as a running back at that 80, at that top 24 ADP that you think could be a pass catching specialist and break into the top I don't know, 20 like those guys have done over the past few years? Yeah, I think it's a guy that many people have forgotten about but has probably the best mustache I've ever seen in Giovanni (laughs) Bernard Yeah, uh, playing with Tampa Bay. Oh, my God, that is thick. That is Miami Vice. You know, why didn't we have that forever? He looks like 20 years older now. I'm scared of him. It just works for him. Uh, But, I mean, he, he proved to be a pass catcher at Cincinnati when he was there. He's going to Tampa Bay. They... Signed him for a reason. They're not believing in the Rashad Vaughn or Ronald Jones. You mean Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, Rashad Keyshawn Vaughn. Vaughn. Yeah, Rashad Vaughn. Sorry. Bucks, Bucks and six, man. <laughs> yeah, Bucks and six. Uh, but, I mean, it doesn't really show that they're believing in those guys. I mean, granted, Giovanni Bernard could be released uh, in the near future. But Brady has a history of throwing and making James White, you know, a top 12 running back, potentially even top six, I think, at one point. Um, so I'm going on a limb with Giovanni, ben- or Giovanni Bernard as one of the guys. And then also Ty Jones with uh, the New York Jets is a, a deep sleeper yeah. too. Yeah. Ty Jones is getting a lot more hype. I was watching videos like uh, from the, from that last preseason game. And yes, I know preseason football is bad for your health, but still it looks like he's, he's going to have some type of role and he's shown that he can be a pass catcher. I think Naeem Hines this year still has a great shot to uh, really produce there's a lot of pass catchers now back for the Colts, but still, I feel like Hines is, has carved himself out. He plays in the slot. Uh, I, you know, he's worth a dart throw late in drafts, but one guy that I think just like in the, in the case of geo 
that not many people are talking about right now. And it's because people are dumping on uh, the guy ahead of him is, is Kenyon Drake. Uh, Kenyon Drake right now has an ADP of 104. Uh, he's a guy that's shown the ability to be a primary running back, but also be a dynamic pass catcher too. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs is going to be the first and second down back, but I think with a team that has a bad defense, that's going to be playing from behind and Derek Carr, who at times hasn't attacked down the field and doesn't really have a ton of wide receiver options. Darren Waller, God bless him is there. I think that there's a, there's a, there's a spot for Kenyon Drake to really exceed uh, this season. I completely agree. I mean, I, again, I, I look at the offseason reports and what they're doing, and I've seen that they're lining up at wide receiver. Let's face it, Josh Jacobs has been um, – has not met, met, yeah, not met expectations. Uh, some to say that he's not, not, not getting enough attempts, not getting the passing game, uh, or he's just not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not living to hype. So I, I love that pick. You know, there's a, a realistic chance that Drake could be stepping into that lead role while having the, the receiving chops to make a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, if you draft him, if you draft him, what, in the 11th round, 10th round, you're getting a guy that could potentially be a low-end RB2. Like, that's that's good value. That's replacement value. He can go into your flex um, if, you, if you're one of those people that still looks at bye weeks and tries to schedule. So either yeah. way, I think that's a, I, I think there's something there. The one thing, Andy, and I don't want to sit on this too long. I worry a little bit about geo because there are a lot of running backs there and Brady. I know Brady likes to throw to running backs, but I still think Ronald Jones is going to have a role. I think Leonard Fournette is still going to have a role. Are you worried that there's got not going to be enough, uh, enough pilot for geo to, to get his fill? Uh, I mean, there's obviously concerns. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the backfield, so it's definitely a risk. Um, and as you mentioned, I was looking at some other individuals, you know, a little bit later in the drafts because you went, you went deep, deep. I'm impressed. Um, but, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I would also kind of look at, like, a, a Kylan Hill potentially as yeah. a deep sleeper. Um, Jared Patterson, you know, has looked really good in the offseason. Uh, Jamar Jefferson has that RB1 potential if he's good starting role, but he's also their third down back. Um, so those are some just, you know, deep sleepers in like a 15, 16 round that you can get that might garner, you know, high trade value in the future. Now, I thought I was deep. You went really deep. I was going to say Kenneth Gainwell kind of fits that too. You know, oh, if yeah. Boston Scott gets hurt again or Miles Sanders, you know, oh, Miles Sanders, uh, you know, that could be a guy that that fits into that role too. So a lot of potential there, especially if you're in a deep league or you, you, you go 18, 20 rounds, I don't know. There's all kinds of formats these days. That might be a good option for you just to uh, to take a, a dart throw with. So, all right, one other question, Andy, and then we got to talk about these these breakouts. Uh, kind of a f- more more of a fun question, and you mentioned this on our last podcast. Uh, NFL jerseys. Give me yeah. three players, three players that y- you want their jerseys, and if and you know maybe it's player based, but maybe it's just style based. Uh, you know, if it's like, I don't know, like throwback Miami Dolphins, white, green, orange, just like give me three jerseys that you want. I mean, I'm going to go deep into it and the players and the jerseys I want, but I want an Andre Ryzen, the Super Bowl oh. 96 Packers jersey. Oh, yeah. As one of them. I want an LT, Daniel Thomason, baby blue Chargers jersey. And then a Warren Moon, uh, Houston Oilers jersey, uh, white or blue works. Okay. Well, now I, I'm sorry. I was just writing that down for my uh, Christmas <laughs> list. Um, okay. 
I'm going to go with a 1994 Thurman Thomas Bills jersey. It's got to be red. Sorry, it's got to be red. And it's I'm awesome. a huge fan. I, I, if, if I ever have the money to have like a true jersey collection, I know how much you hate knockoff jerseys. If you, if you want to know how much Andy hates knockoff jerseys, check out our <laughs> Sunday, Sunday pod on Pet Peeves. Um, I, love, I love getting jerseys of players that either gets, they get traded midseason and then don't re-sign like Gary Payton 2002 or 2003. I can't remember because it was so short. Like just these very random uh, signings or just flashes in the pan. So for number two, and I've searched eBay constantly. I want a <laughs> Sam Congato Packers jersey so bad. Oh, I've actually you know, seen those in person. Oh my God. If you see one, just beat somebody up and get it. Uh, If you know who Sam Congato is as a listener, uh, bless you, bless you for that. Uh, And the other one that, uh, that I like is a uh, LA Rams, Sammy Watkins Jersey. Cause that was just so quick pow in and out. And, you know, I didn't like that color scheme that they had back then uh, back in the uh, 2016, I think that was, but you know, I don't know. I just like those random jerseys uh, that, uh, just flashing the plan players. Anyways, uh, enough about jerseys. Andy, let's get to some actual freaking analysis because <laughs> it is draft, uh, draft, prime draft week. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. It's like the shark week of fantasy football. It's hot, it's dangerous, and you got to know what to freaking do this weekend. So, Andy, we, we had a few more breakout receivers that we didn't get to on Tuesday. Why don't you kick us off? Give us your other pick that you had for sort of your Stefan Diggs of 2021, that mid-round breakout that you really like. Yeah, so I don't know if this guy is going to be a potential wide receiver one um, to this, to the fact that Stefan Diggs had. I mean, he could potentially move in the top 12. I think maybe a top 16, top 18 is more realistic out of him. Uh, but LaVisca Chenault, I mean, he's blowing up now on Twitter with, with the unfortunate injury that happened to Travis Enon a few days ago. But I love LaVisca Chanel just as a, a player. Going back to his days at Colorado, it was very unfortunate that he had injuries back then um, that did affect his collegiate career because he could have been, you know, potentially the number one draft, number one wide receiver drafted in his class compared to what he was drafted. But looking at LaVisca Chenault, um, some things that kind of stood out to me when I look at it in prospects that are younger is what they've done uh, in college historically. I want to see if they were able to dominate older players as they're a younger college receiver um, and the thoughts being, you know, when you go to the NFL and you're younger, you have to play against stronger, faster cornerbacks. If you can't do that in college, how are you supposed to do that in the NFL? Um, it's strong, That's how yeah, some guys yes, do yeah, Anyways. <laughs> exactly. I wish those were still in uh, baseball, by the way, but anyways, oh. <laughs> but I look at those type of things to kind of dictate if a person's going to be good or not. I mean, there's always exceptions that have wide receivers who struggle to start off strong in their career, in college, and then they do well in the NFL pros. Um, but looking at LaVisca Chanel, he had a college dominator of 31.1%, which was 69th percentile. And this is all due to playerprofile.com. If you've never been to that website, definitely go. Oh, it is uh, it is a Bible. Great website. Tons of great stats. Well, but, bless what you. The, yes, definitely. Uh, but looking at the college dominator and what that exactly means, it's the percentage of wide receivers, total team receiving yards, and touchdown in college. A value of 45, 45% is considered extraordinary. So he had a 35.1% uh, dominator, the 69th percentile um, place he was, which is phenomenal ratings for that. Then I look at what his breakout age was. In breakout age, 
is essentially the age when a rookie wide receiver or college wide receiver achieved a 20% dominator on his team. An 18.8 age or 93rd percentile breakout age is considered phenomenal. His was 19.9, which is 65 or 65th percentile. Um, both great stats. What's also cool on this website is they compare him to other individuals. Um, can you have any guess of who he might be compared to, Farley? LaVisca Chenault. I think hair-wise, probably somebody that you dropped in a dynasty league, uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, sorry, I just had to – <laughs> I just want to find as many opportunities to remind you that that Still happened. Still hurts. Still um, hurts. Gosh, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Uh, what, what does it say? Just Just tell me. AJ fucking Brown. Oh gosh. We always got to bring him back. Uh, so, I mean, everybody knows my, my love for AJ Brown and what I think he can do. Uh, I love wide receivers that have yak potential and, you know, LaVisca Chanel has that as is AJ Brown. LaVisca Chanel just is a beast. He's 6'1", 227. And he's young. He's only 22 years old. So it's very likely that he plays somewhat of like a Percy Harvin role in that Urban Myers offense. Uh, but being that we haven't seen Urban Meyer's offense yet, it's hard to predict what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I had to use utilize kind of things that happened last year <clears throat> to try to take into effect of what could happen this year. Uh, first thing I looked at was, you know, vacated targets. They had uh, not as much as other teams have had, but they still had 182 vacated targets. Uh, things that, you know, kind of stood out to me is LaVisca Chanel, you know, at 90, 79 targets last year, amounting to 58 catches, 600 yards, five touchdowns. Woohoo! Those are great. Those are numbers you want, Farley, right? Oh, uh, yeah, Andy. No, no, of course no, I do. Let's be real. You don't want those. <laughs> uh, but that's with them missing two games. Uh, it's a per game average of, you know, 5.6 targets, amounting to four catches, 43 yards, and 0.35 touchdowns over the season per game. But let's say you repeated those same numbers. It was on pace for 120 targets. That's only really adding 41 targets from what he had last year. On a 16-game pace, that's only 2.5 targets per game extra and you have 182 added targets with really no substantial additions besides Marvin Jones, who I think is going to command about 130 catches if I had to take a guess. Uh, but if you were to look at those, he would have in taking that he took an effect 71.1% of his passes thrown to him last year. He caught it would give him 85 catches on the year. He had an average of 10.3 yards per catch last year, amounting to 875.5 yards. If you were to take those over, the full year process and take the statistics of the 71.1% passes on 120 targets, you would finish with 85 catches, 876 yards and seven touchdowns amounting for 207 points. That range right there puts you right in that top 24 um, wide receiver mark. And it's not unreasonable to imagine getting, you know, 40 to 50 carries, which could lead to touchdowns as well, vaulting potentially in that, you know, top 16, top 12 range. Uh, so my pick, my other guy this year is LaVisca Chanel's, I think he's going around the fifth, sixth round. I think it'd be a great steal, Seven. great value. Ooh, even later, even better. Yeah. Um, it could be a great, great value for a lot of teams. So there's some variance in, in his ADP. So I, I, I subscribe to Fantasy Pros because they do a pretty good job of uh, taking a look at uh, aggregate and average. And on there, he's like, he's got like an ADP in like the nineties, but on player profile, he's in like the seventh round. So either way, he's, he's a a mid to late round pick. And I think for casual, if you play in a casual league, people are going to recognize DJ Chark more than they're going to recognize LaVisca Chenault. Uh, What a funny name that is, right? For uh, (laughs) if you haven't heard of that one. So either way, um, 
I think you. I think this is a this is a solid pick. I do worry though, Andy, because I, let, let me step back. I don't think DJ Chark is going to have a great year. I think a lot of people are in agreement with that. It's really hard to predict his performances. And Trevor Lawrence has Marvin Jones, who it seems like they've got good rapport. Traditionally, rookie quarterbacks only support one fantasy relevant wide receiver. I wonder if that's going to be LaVisca Chenault. Now, yes, camp reports look good. He's he's done it before. But what makes you think, Andy, he is going to supersede a veteran like Marvin Jones, get the attention of those beautiful flowing locks on, on, on Trevor Lawrence and perform to that uh, to that caliber of, uh, of play that you described? I think a lot of it has to do with the injury, unfortunately, and they were running Travis Enet at wide receiver. Um, I don't think they're going to do it with James Robinson. They can't afford to lose him to injury. Therein steps in LaVisca Chanel to run those routes. Marvin Jones is a slot receiver. I think that's what he's going to be transitioning into as a slot receiver, leaving LaVisca Chanel on the outside to do the Devontae Adams type role, you know, playing the deep ball, getting those short screens on the far outside, uh, running the deep slants, running over the middle, deep down the field, uh, getting reverses. I think they're going to do what they need to to get the ball in his hands. As far as DJ Chart goes, I don't want to talk bad about him, but he reminds me now, you know, kind of like a Juju Smith-Schuster, one great year and just dropping in in his value and what he's actually putting on the field. You know, you had – what's his name now? He was the tight end – or, I mean, the wide receiver for Kelvin Benjamin. He had a great year and then just fell off. And I'm not saying that's Chart by any means, but – we're seeing, you know, a huge dip from what he did in 2019 to 2020, and he was nothing in 2018. Uh, so Chark doesn't really scare me this year, and I think they're going to do what they need to do to get the discussion out the ball. Andy, do you remember it was 2016, and every Green Bay Packer running back was injured, and they were slated to play a Thursday night game at home and had no active running backs in the roster. Do you remember what they did? Did they play four or five wide the whole time? No, they put Ty Montgomery at running. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. I do remember that. Yeah. And he became a running back. Yeah. And now it didn't work out in the end, but that, that Thursday night start, he killed it because he had like nine catches in that game. I I'm not going to say LaVisca Chenault is going to be some hybrid running back receiver, but I think you're right. I think they can use him like that. He's, he's, got a big body. He can take some booms. You know, he's like a, he's like a Debo Samuel light in that way where uh, he can be a punisher if he needs to be. And uh, clearly, you know, last year, the way that they used him showed that he can be uh, very versatile. I just worry about can Trevor Lawrence and I get it. Trevor Lawrence is the next coming of rookie Andrew Luck and, and, you know, has, has a great profile, but just to, History says that's going to be tough, but at his ADP, that's not that that's a risk that's worth taking, uh, especially if you get a good running back in, in, in the first round or second round and you can maybe wait on your RB2. And let's face it, the Jaguars don't look like they're going to be a great team this year. Um, their team, I, for whatever reason, always kind of root for, but I, yeah. they don't look to be good. So they're going to most likely be playing a negative game script. So they're going to have to throw the ball more. Uh, James Robinson, you know, had remarkable year and probably one of the most run heavy dominant career ever i think he had like 96 percentile of the carries for jacksonville jaguars yep. last year like that's not going to happen again they're going to have to have other individuals run the ball 
Um, and then there's also the fact of, you know, James Robinson does great this year. He's up for a new contract in a year or two. Do the Jaguars really want to, you know, be in the Seattle Seahawks situation where you ever shot Penny and then you have Chris Carson? I mean, that looks like that won't be a bad situation this year, yeah. but they had to give Chris Carson the bag. Uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to keep that situation rolling. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, Andy, I'd love to talk Jacksonville Jaguar football all day. But, <laughs> Who uh, wouldn't? Look, uh, yeah, well. Except for other fans, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shouts to Jacksonville. I've never been to Jackson. Well, I've been there for like a, like half a day. Not the airport, uh, but shouts to Jacksonville. Shout out to Keenan McCardell. Oh, Keenan McCardell. Oh, my gosh. That's, that was a that's great... jersey number four. Oh, yeah. Oh, those. Those late want. '90s Jags jerseys, yeah. oh man, those are sick. Anyways, uh, my bad. Speaking of sick, no, <laughs> I'll divert talking about jersey design all day. Uh, but speaking of uh, of pretty, there's a guy who didn't have a pretty season last year, and a lot of people have deemed him Mister Unlucky in 2020. And boy, was he ever! But this is going to be his freaking year, Andy. Uh, he's got a high draft pedi- pedigree, great hair. He's a killer route runner, uh, plays in a state that's pretty, uh, pretty token. It's Jerry Judy, man. Uh, look, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, they've got a lot of receivers. I didn't make that point about Javante Williams. Uh, they've got, uh, they got a questionable quarterback situation and a good defense. So they're not going to be playing from behind, but look, I think this guy has the talent and situation to supersede all of those points. But first let's hop in the old DeLorean and jump back to what happened in 2020. And I want to talk Scott. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Great freaking Scott, Andy. Um, (laughs) Now that we're here at mile high stadium, let's talk about some of these stats from our uh, Bible at player profiler that I think really, I don't know, paint the picture of just how unlucky Jerry Judy was last year. Uh, Finished 105th in catchable target rate. Uh, I don't know how many guys they track on that stat, but 104 players had better catchable targets than Jerry Judy, a top end and number one receiver uh, on Denver. Uh, Target quality, finished 102nd finished 107th in target accuracy. I, you, you don't need to exactly know what goes into all of those stats. And if you want to, we can certainly educate you on that, but uh, we're not that dirty. Uh, <laughs> it just tells you just how poor his opportunities were last year. PFF said that 24% of his targets were uncatchable due to his quarterback because he was getting passes thrown to him by Brett Rippon. I don't know Brett Rippon. I bet he's a great guy, probably very humble. If I remember, I, I think he's got a good jawline, pretty handsome. But um, one of the things that he wasn't good at was getting the ball to Jerry Judy. He led the league in uncatchable deep targets and finished second in uncatchable red zone targets. I mean, uh, just compound it, compound it. It's like... It's like getting chicken pox and then like, I don't know, getting in a car accident. That's what Jerry Judy's season was like last year. Um, But he, he got some opportunities to do things here. He put himself in an opportunity to do things, just didn't get quality targets. He finished sixth in air yards and second in unrealized air yards, which we talked a little bit about on our last show. You should go back and listen to that. If you want to know more about that. So he was more. 
Yeah, well, we'll talk about that in a second, too. He got himself in position to make plays, but obviously just didn't have somebody who could who could get him the damn ball. I, I've got it written on the show notes. Give him the fucking ball for the love of God. Now, if, again, if you listen to Tuesday's episode, Andy talked about DJ Moore. Andy, do you remember that? I don't know how many Tito's and Waters you've had since then, but you recall that conversation, right? I do. It must have went pretty well that he beat out your, your guy in Deontay oh. Johnson. But uh, yeah, I do. Uh, anyways, you dropped Devontae Adams in the Dynasty League. Uh, moving on. Okay. so <laughs> People don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like Stephen Glansberg out here right now. Uh, but you remember how much we talked about Teddy Bridgewater and how ineffective he was getting the ball to DJ Moore. But we also talked about how effective Robbie Anderson was. And I think... Uh, if you look at Teddy Bridgewater and where he excelled last year with Robbie Anderson being a deep threat, uh, being a guy who can produce yak yards, I think Teddy Bridgewater probably ends up being more of a benefit to Jerry Judy. And if you look at the fantasy community, they definitely, definitely agree. Let's just quickly run through Robbie Anderson's statistics from last year just to show how I think that there can be a lot of correlation here. Robbie Anderson finished 15th in air yards, 13th in receiving yards in the entire league. I should preface that too. Eighth overall in receptions. But then in those stats that I talked about before, listen to this, 24th in catchable target rate, 26th in target quality and fourth in target accuracy. I'm not saying that Teddy Bridgewater is going to come and bring those exact statistics to Jerry Judy, but God forbid if Jerry Judy improves by like, I don't know, 20%, he's going to, he's going to be effective. Okay. Uh, if he can be half of what Robbie Anderson was last year in those stats, that should be pretty good. Robbie Anderson finished 19th in, in, uh, out of all wide receivers in PPR. Now, again, we'll, we'll, let's jump back to the situation that he is in. A lot of people think Cortland Sutton, for some reason, for some reason, is the number one receiving option in Denver. I say nay, Andy. I, I say, say yay. nay. I say yay. Oh, my God. We finally disagree on something. <laughs> Cortland Sutton had like six good games and then tore his ACL really early last year. And guys can come back from ACL injuries, but I've heard stories that it looks like he's slow or he can't get to balls and he hasn't really played much with Teddy Bridgewater. Jerry Judy's gotten a lot of work with, with, uh, with Teddy this year. Why do you think Cortland Sutton's the number one guy? Uh, I think just when he gets on the field, his body type is just going to demand targets, um, especially in the red zone. Uh, I mean, Judy's a great player, but I think he might fall into the, the DJ Moore role of this offense and sudden becomes the Robbie Anderson of this offense. Well, we shall see Andy. We shall see. And uh, maybe we'll make a bet on that. How about that? Do you? Down. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll figure out something to bet. I think Jerry Judy is going to have a better year. And even if Cortland Sutton is on the field, I, I think Jerry Judy is going to beat whatever matchup he is in. And that's going to help him out. Jerry Judy. Uh, I don't know if you saw that preseason game. And again, I'm not saying watch preseason and make uh make, glaring and, and, and demonstrative, uh, you know, uh, results from that, but God forbid you, you, he, he flashed his ability to run after the catch. I think he's going to get in a lot more positions like that this year. I also think even though Denver has a great defense, look at the offenses that they have in their division. Obviously Kansas city is good. 
I think the Chargers are going to be pretty damn good. Uh, Oakland, Oakland. Oh my God, I said Oakland. Uh, Las Vegas has a very good offense too, or a better offense. And I think they're going to be in more shootouts. And I think Denver is going to be in more shootouts as well. So, you know, as much as I like Javante Williams and think Javante Williams is going to get his work, I think they're going to be in in more shootouts uh, than they are going to be in in positive game scripts per se. So that should help. Um, Also, one last thing, Andy, and I think this sort of follows all of the guys that at least we've talked about today and, and might mention here in a second, Jason Moore of the fantasy footballers did a study on second year wide receivers and the breakout rate of second year wide receivers. Last year, we had a very, very talented rookie receiver class come into the NFL and they're all going into their second year. And this class is going into their second year. LaVisca Chenault fits into that mold too. Jerry Judy certainly does. And I want to bring up a guy that, that we talked about on Tuesday, your buddy, DJ Moore, DJ Moore's rookie year. Where do you think he finished in PPR? Uh, I had him that year. I think he was right around 32, 31 ish. He finished 38th. Where do you think he finished in year two? Year two. I think he was right around top 20. I think he was, he was 18th. So a pretty substantial jump after a successful, semi-successful rookie year. I shouldn't say successful. An okay rookie year for DJ Moore. Jerry Judy, despite, despite you know most of the passes being thrown his, thrown his way, landing in another county, finished 45th. If he, can, if he can make a similar jump like DJ Moore did, and I, you know, be, be, better draft uh, pedigree, I think a better talented route runner, with a quarterback that I think is going to put him in a better situation. I think Jerry Judy can easily be a, a high end wide receiver too, and maybe even break into that wide receiver one territory. I think it's all there. I see him making a jump. You just got to somehow find a way to give him the freaking ball. Uh, just <laughs> Brett Rippin is making me making the veins on my forehead pop out. Even if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't finish the whole year, I think Drew Locke still is a good quarterback for him. And that's why I think Jerry Judy, Mr. Unlucky, turns it to Jerry Judy, Mr. League winner, Andy. It's a a solid pick and compelling argument. I'm not going to lie. I can't necessarily jump on board. Um, I think he'll be a a great player. I think he might still be in the the top 30 mark Um, for just various reasons. I mean, you mentioned what he did last year. I'm looking at what he did this last year, just as you know, targets goes. He had 113 targets, but it was without a Cortland Sutton. Um, you bring Sutton, he's going to command, you know, probably 100, 120 targets. I just don't ever like drafting 10 Denver running or wide receivers in general. They always just have, play a slower offense, traditionally have a better defense. They invest in the running back game. Um, they always concern me to have a team that can support two wide receivers. Um, so there is caution for me. And I know you mentioned the division. It's a very, very good argument, something I'd never really thought of who they play, but they did do a lot of improvements on their defense, which could cause it to be um, more closer games than we're used to and even lower scoring games than we're used to for the teams that you mentioned. Uh, but Jerry Judy is definitely a guy that is uh, a high ceiling, uh, could be a high floor as well. Um, somebody I would not argue against drafting, but I don't have the same conviction that you do, unfortunately. Well, Andy, 
thank you for disagreeing. So I'm going to, let's put you on the spot real quick and, and we'll, we'll finish up here in just a few minutes. Cause I know you got to get out. You got to get with your boys. You're Mr. Popular. Well, I'm Mr. Dad. Okay. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to go. Uh, There's Danny me, Tanner in it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> uh, anyways. Wow. I am big up San Francisco. No. <laughs> Um, okay, so Jerry Judy's ADP right now is 74th, according to Fantasy Pros. He's the 32nd wide receiver coming off the board. All right, I'm going I'm to assume you're going to take this guy before Jerry Judy, but Michael Thomas or Jerry Judy? I'd probably go Judy, actually. Oh, okay. Always uh, Thomas has too many too many uh, concerning factors for me, With even he's going to be playing this year, in all honesty. Very reminiscent of like AJ, or, uh, Antonio Brown for okay. uh, to a certain sense. Okay. What about uh, Gumby, rookie receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Devonta Smith? So I'm on the anti-Smith train on every front. Um, so do Jerry Judy in front of him. Okay. All right. Well, if you're going to keep – okay. I got to go – I got to make a bigger jump. Okay. Chase Claypool. He's he's 69th. Nice. Uh, would you take Clay, Chase Claypool over Jerry Judy? I'd uh, probably take Claypool. Okay. Uh, any particular reason why, Andrew? Uh, he just has that DK Metcalf effect. So, you know, he can have that. Well, Andy, I thought game. DK Metcalf had the, the, the best chance to finish outside wide receiver one territory. He could, but I still want oh. that guy that can get a 40-point game yeah. uh, at one point. You know, I don't think DK again, or I don't think Chase makes a top 12, but if I can have my wide receiver two or three get one 40-point game for me, I'm ecstatic. Hell yeah. Um, and I, Claypool is just a, a bigger target monster there. So when I'm looking at two wide receivers, I want the guy that's going to command the, tar- the red zone targets where I don't see Judy commanding them, uh, where Judy will probably get more catches, uh, just that, that, that red zone and how different, how much of a difference that can make as DJ Moore we talked about last week. And let's face it, Javante Williams is going to get all the goal line work anyway and probably score like 15 tutties this year. So it won't matter. But (laughs) I shouldn't say that. I was just making an argument for Jerry Judy. All right. Well, speaking of Chase Claypool, um, a few honorable mentions real quick that we didn't get to that we like. I'm going to quickly just say Chase Claypool was somebody that I was very tempted to talk about. I don't, I, I, you know, I know I made a case for Deontay Johnson on our last show. I think both Claypool and Johnson can eat. I think comparatively Johnson has a safer floor, but I think Claypool has probably the higher ceiling, even, even with me believing that Deontay Johnson can be a wide receiver one. I think Claypool has the ability to, like you said, have those incredible boom weeks, score a couple of tutties a game, make some big plays and, and just eat out there. Uh, so I really like Chase Claypool. I know we just talked about him. Andy, do you have any honorable mentions? I've got a couple of more. Couple uh, of, couple I, I absolutely more. love T. Higgins this year. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are on Jamar Chase, his bandwagon, mm-hmm. or liking Tyler Board and Boyd, and those are all you know phenomenal guys, but I'm all aboard the T. Higgins uh, train this year. Um, I think he might be a potential top 12 player yeah. with how he, how he looks and what he did last year without Joe Burrow half the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people talk about Tyler Boyd on that offense too. Like if I, I don't, I don't want to go too deep into this, but they didn't draft offensive linemen. They drafted Jamar chase. And I think if um, they dumb, really felt dumb. better about Tyler Boyd, and I know you could say, well, doesn't that mean they don't feel great about T Higgins? I don't know. I just don't think, I don't think Boyd is, is to a lot of people think he is. 
I think he's going to have a decent PPR year, but uh, yeah, I, I, I love T Higgins this year. Another second year guy that I think is getting probably a lot more hype is Brandon Ayuk. Uh, the, the one concern I have about Brandon Ayuk, I think he's he, a guy, again, a guy who can dominate target share, play all over the field, be a great yak guy. I uh, flashed it last year. I just worry that if Trey Lance takes over again, going back to rookie quarterbacks, I think George Kittle is just going to be the one that, that really is the fantasy relevant pass catcher in that offense. How do you feel about Brandon Ayuk, Andy? I absolutely love him. I, I think he's a phenomenal guy to get where you can get him in the drafts right now. I'm not a Debo Samuel fan at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just too injury prone, too gadgety. Uh, he's not really a wide receiver when you see him play. It's all manufactured screens. Uh, Kittle's phenomenal as well, but he has an injury history as well. We saw Ayuk, you know, come in and just dominate. He, If it wasn't for Justin Jefferson, Ayuk was the second best, would have been the best rookie wide receiver last year with what he was doing. Um, but he was just overshadowed by Justin Jefferson. But I absolutely love the pick of Ayuk. I think probably Jerry Judy would have exceeded that if uh, Brett Rippon was in his quarterback. I, I got to stop talking <laughs> about Brett Rippon. Uh, great guy. I bet, he, I bet he's just a fantastic person. Um, okay, anybody else? Any other honorable mentions, Andy, that we didn't get to on breakout receivers this year? I had written down a shoddy B Rashad Bateman, but I fear he's not going to play much this year. It's going to be a lost year due to his injury. And I don't want to advise people on picks that, you know, players I, I don't really believe in right now for redraft. Dynasty, though, 100% on shoddy B. Oh, yeah. Uh, for redraft this year, going deep um, in a, a late round wide receiver that could exceed expectations is uh, Jalen Rager. Uh, for Philly, mm. he's having a phenomenal camp. He's making some incredible catches. And granted, it's against, you know, second string cornerbacks at times or his own cornerbacks and their scheduled plays and this and that. Um, but he's making one handed catches in the end zone that look very Odell esque. Um, he was a phenomenal, you know, wide receiver in college. He just had one of the worst passing offenses of all time. He's a high draft pick. Um, he disappointed last year in terms of what other rookies did. But historically speaking, rookie wide receivers don't perform well. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, had 50 catches in his first year. Yeah. Um, Devontae Adams, we talked about before when I dropped him and other people dropped him in my league as well. Uh, he didn't do that well. I mean, even Julio Jones's rookie year wasn't phenomenal. Um, we also got to remember that Jalen Rager is facing the same situation that Devontae Smith is facing this year. He was injured in training camp last year's rookie mm-hmm. year. He missed a few games. Um, he was fighting an uphill battle. So I, I like Jalen Rager a lot. And, you know, I think around the probably 10th, 11th round, I think he's going right now, if not later. Hmm. Let's see here. Let me, uh, let me go into the depths of ADP to fill you in. Gosh, where, yeah. Where are you at boy? Where are you at? I know uh, I saw him. He was like 59th ranked wide receiver. So I mean, it's probably even later in all, uh, in all honesty. Uh, yeah. Might be he, like the... He's 62 on fantasy pros. He's behind Marquez Calloway, uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown and Nelson Aguilar. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would. Those are all. I mean, I get why, but yeah, I like Rager a lot as somebody who could be a high, high scoring potential for you, um, and really, you know, surprise you this year. Yeah, yeah, and that, that that's a dart throw, man. Like, why not? Why not? And it sounds like he has a great connection with Jalen Hurts from what he's been saying in uh, training camp, and they really don't have wide receivers. I mean. Uh, they have Smith, who they drafted. They have Goddard. They have Ertz. Um, they have Quez Watkins, who I think was a later on draft pick. Like they don't have a, a stellar wide receiver core by name, 
there needs to be something that stands out. Why not him? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, he seems to be the guy that I think, you know, everybody wants to talk about Devonta Smith, you know, Dallas Goddard. I, I don't know, like hopefully his ADP adjusts at some point, maybe they trade Zacherts for a different pass catcher, but yeah, that, I, I that's would be the surprised. problem. They, they, they ADP him for Ertz being traded just like the ADP Irv Smith, uh, what you would call it being traded. And you can't draft. Yeah, you can't draft based on that. You have to draft on what's the situation in front of you. And unfortunately, too many people draft on assumptions that this person is going to get traded. And if it's not happening yet, don't draft that way. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't be surprised if Jalen Rager is like a a fantasy relevant wide receiver the first four weeks of the year. Like, Mm -hmm. that just makes a lot of sense before he can start really building chemistry, before Jalen Hurts can build chemistry with Smith and. Uh, you know, Dallas Goddard, I get it, whatever. Uh, but still, like, there, somebody's got somebody's to catch passes out there. And, uh, yeah. So, anyways, Andy, let's wrap that up there. Anything else that you want to tell our loyal and excited, just ready to just get their drafts done, uh, thriving fan base? Uh, the biggest thing I can say, and I, I've seen it a lot lately, I don't necessarily understand why. But do not draft Patrick Mahomes in the top. Don't just don't draft him. He's a phenomenal quarterback, but he doesn't have the the ceiling of, I mean, like a a running quarterback does. It's not worth drafting him in the third round. There's going to be so many games where he explodes and, you know, they blow out the team and they're up by 28 and he's not throwing the ball anymore. He's a great, great, the best set of quarterback I've ever seen. He's up there. Fantasy wise, I would rather, you know, wait and get like a Josh Allen last year in the ninth or tenth round, wait and get a Jalen Hurts in the eleventh round. Well, he didn't get a Tom Brady who probably going to the 10th, 11th round as well and throwing up just as many touchdown passes. Mahomes doesn't have that running factor that I think a lot of people assume he does. Therefore, he's drafted in the third round. He's yep. a great stack. Don't get me wrong. If you get somehow Hill, Kelsey in him. Uh, but I don't like drafting Mahomes in the third round. Yeah. And somebody's somebody's bound to reach up and take him in a, in a casual league or a home league. So you know, maybe you won't even have to worry about uh, ever making that choice. But uh, real quick, um, tight ends, man. I, I We were going to talk about this on our last show. I didn't get to it. But if you don't get one of the top three tight ends, just wait. Just, mm-hmm. just wait. For the love of God, wait as long as you possibly can. I know we kind of talked a little bit about that earlier. But uh, stat- statistics show if you don't get a top tier tight end, just you're, you're better off waiting. And again, like I mentioned before, if you're going to ride the waiver wire, look for two things, 30-year tight ends and chase targets. Chase targets. It'll do you some good. That's going to do it for, uh, for us tonight. Uh, good luck in your drafts this weekend. We will be back on Tuesday. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about some preseason uh, final action, adjusted ADP, Andy's weekend. I don't know. It could be anything. So thank you for tuning in. And remember, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. (laughs) Have a good one, everybody.